0: parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another podcast interview today with a brand new guest. Again, Tasha gains. And Tasha, we're going to get into a pretty... You and I were actually chatting before we, before we started recording here, and we were kind of already going deep, and we barely touched the surface, I think, of what we're going to get into in conversation today, talking about healing through photography. Uh, but welcome, first of all, to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. It's nice to be on.
0: Well, and, and I appreciate you making the time. I know you made some kind of rearrangements for the sake of uh, quality of audio and internet connection and so forth. I appreciate you making time to do that. And um, let's just jump in because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about when we get to the primary topic today. Uh, Some of these introductory questions that I usually like to ask, and the first one has to do with brand position. Now, I want to give a little bit of context to our listeners. You're based in what um, market currently as a photographer?
1: Based basically in Birmingham and Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Okay, cool. And you're actually not too far away from me. I'm in Chattanooga right now. We're recording this remotely, but Birmingham, Atlanta area markets, uh, those are two pretty big markets. And then what type of photography are you offering to those markets?
1: Um, right now, I do corporate, commercial, lifestyle photography, and I do a lot of influencer um, and branding for sure. So I do mostly that type of work. And I do occasional portraits, but it's only like seasonal. But that's my main target right
0: now. Okay. So, But portrait work seems to be kind of the primary focus. And I'm noticing that here on your website too. So for those of you listening in, if you go to Tasha, T-O-S-H-A, G A I N E S dot com. Very simple. We'll link to this in the show notes as well uh, at BocaPodcast.com. But if you go to TashaGaines.com, uh, you'll see examples of this portrait work on the homepage. And I have to say, I, I, again, and I know this is something that I say in the podcast a good bit these days, I like variety. And you have a wide variety of portraiture, the styles of portraiture there on the homepage, which is really, really nice.
1: Oh, no, thank you. I really do enjoy it. So,
0: well, I, and I'm curious. So, portrait photographers, I mean, if we're being realistic, there are a lot of them, particularly in the Atlanta market, probably some as well in the Birmingham market. But talk to me about how you differentiate yourselves from them. What is your brand position or the unique value proposition that you bring to those markets?
1: Well, I'm pretty much, if I am meeting a client, I don't shoot anybody I don't know because I'm about the personal space thing. I need to know who you are before I shoot you. And okay. I need to make sure that, hey, we're going to be a good you know, a good fit because one, I'm a very outgoing person and through my sessions, I do say off the wall things just to make people comfortable. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you got to, I'm like, I can't shoot you if your shoulders way up. And I'm like, okay, you have no neck. Can we fix that? (laughs) I'm always like that. So almost
0: like something uncomfortable to make them comfortable.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I hear about my clients. They're like, oh, my God, uh, you captured me perfectly. I don't understand. I was like, well, because I'm quirky. So my quirkiness is actually the best thing for you for this session. And I love clean, colorful shots. So I keep my brand like that. It has to be clean, it has to be colorful. I, you know. And I know there's a variety of different ways you can shoot. But I just love just to catch that cleanness and the color in a person. Cause yeah. That's what brings out the, photo- the picture itself. You know, people just don't understand the color actually brings that personality out of somebody. So
0: that's it. OK, so what, what would you say then about me? I mean, you're and we're going to get into this, but you're an occupational therapist by trade. You're a photographer who likes color. What about people like me who only ever wears a black T-shirt? What do we do? OK,
1: with- if it makes you feel better, I don't think I do is wear black myself. Oh, OK, <laughs> uh, right, I'm in black right now. So
0: you're, you're trying, trying not better. to compete with the with the colorful imagery that you're creating.
1: Yeah, but also I look better in black. That's my signature color. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I feel you. I-
1: if I do any other color, it'd probably be purple or green, so okay'll see black
0: okay well i then then uh, we're kindred spirits in some way because yeah, literally every single day, and I joke about it, and my girlfriend even gives me a hard time about it too, but you know i'm, I'm wearing I'm, I'm like hey what do, what should I wear tonight when we go out on a date, and of course, that's the ongoing joke, the reality is. I'm going to wear a black t-shirt, a V-neck black t-shirt, size medium from Express. I love them to death. I've been wearing them for years and that's that's what I do, but it keeps things very very simple. But I ha- I had to ask you the question about color. I I'd, I'd like in fact again going back to your homepage, the the color on your homepage is wonderful and it's varying as well. And, and you talk about your personality. I mean, in your bio on your website, you say, I am just a Southern girl with a bright and bubbly personality. And that's a pretty great summation. I like this. And I know I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I love it when I can hear that kind of energy in somebody's voice because we're doing this exclusively via audio. There's no video involved. And um, I love that energy that's coming through in your voice. And I'm sure that that translates to... Your clients, and this is something really important to keep in mind with everybody. You know, as much conversation as there is in culture about personality types, and there's some significance to that. I don't think that we should limit ourselves by just simply saying, "Hey, I'm this personality type, so I'm you know I'm not smiling, I'm not bubbly," because the reality is that most of our clients are going to play off that energy. I mean, I'm naturally playing off Tasha's energy. I hear (laughs) that excitement, that energy in her voice. That gets me excited. It makes it that much better an interview for you, the listener, to hear. And you need to think about that. Translate that to how you engage with your clients. Because if they get a sense that that you actually want to connect with them, you want to engage with them, that will translate to the quality of the photographs that you're able to capture. So I want to just kind of highlight that at the beginning. Again, I love your energy, Tasha. Um, I know that we're going to get into this a little bit more later on in the conversation, but the the focus that you have on bringing healing to your subjects on an emotional, deeper emotional level through your photography, I'd love to, I mean, I'm just speaking objectively or maybe subjectively here. <laughs> I'd love to see that focus on your homepage because I can't imagine that there's anybody else. And when we talk about the idea of brand position and what sets us apart, I don't know that there would be anybody else probably in either of those markets, as big as they are, as many photographers as there are, that specifically talk about that. It's a very unique van, really value proposition and brand position.
1: Right. Uh, I'm actually redoing my website now. i am just switched over to show it. And right now I'm having a pain in the, you know, how that goes doing a new website. Sure, sure. <laughs> so everything is... Being redone now, and it's just I do have that component under there as a passion project. Yeah. Before I project it over to like offering as a service, I get it. But yeah, I'm actually adding that now, so that website there is going to be different in three weeks. So we're hopefully it be done in three weeks. So well,
0: we're we're crossing our fingers. So hopefully by the time this episode comes out, actually everybody listening in will be able to see that new website. And yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of. we talk again about brand position quite a bit. Sometimes we spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about this on some of the episodes. Uh, But the reason it matters is because there are so many photographers out there. I mean, again, we're talking about massive markets like Atlanta in particular, Birmingham, still pretty large market. And there are so many photographers out there. Not only that, there's just so much noise to sift through on a daily basis. We're already spending time going through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and everything else. So, the potential client is seeing a lot pictures and text all the time, so if we don't effectively figure out how to communicate in, in just a split second really it takes you know maybe two, three seconds to read a phrase that sums up how we 're different from other photographers, then we miss out on an opportunity to make a bigger impact on that person that's looking for somebody in this case who i mean like the idea that that they can come to you not only for photography, but almost like a therapy session and the process is so appealing, especially for somebody who's nervous in front of the camera, much, you right. know, and, and certainly much more of those who are struggling with various issues in their lives, self-image or otherwise. That's really a beautiful idea. So I'm going to like, I'm going to cheer from the background that you somehow begin to implement that in your site even more because I think that's really cool. But Props to you for for creating just beautiful imagery there on the home site, and that certainly will draw uh, users or put, users potential clients, I should say. And that'll be really really good. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. How long have you been in business so far?
1: I started like really as a hobbyist when my daughter was born, being a photographer. Because okay. um, you know we're expensive. I know that because I know my price list. So I wanted to be able to capture my daughter, you know, myself during the stages that were most. Pertinent to her, because I was in school as an OTE when she was born. So I feel like if I could take pictures from a kid, you know, it'll help me. And then I started branching out doing other things like, you know, community service stuff, just portraits of other people. So I really became a business owner in, about eight years ago. And I stayed low key because I wanted to keep the job of, oh, I'm an occupational therapist and anyone might know I did pictures. And then people start sharing myself on social media and that shows the power of social media. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. And so then it's just eight years now and I'm going really strong for the last four years. So I finally found out what's my niche, what I'm good at. yep And, and, and doubling down I, on it. Yeah. And now I have a good mastermind group that helps me a lot too. So I'm I'm fairly excited at how they push me to get where I am right now.
0: Well, so eight years, what what is one of the biggest lessons or maybe the biggest lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner during that time frame? Like if you had 15 seconds in an elevator and there's a photographer there and you had to share one piece of advice, what's the the thing that comes to mind from your experience so far?
1: It's believing yourself. Even though you may have people around you that push you. To say you can do this, yeah. you have you are not gonna be able to do that if you can't believe in yourself. And I can say that from experience. Like everybody said, like, oh Natasha, you are so good. I don't know why you are doing this and that, but internally for me, it was like I don't see it. I feel like I messed up here. This is messed. The lines is messed. The colors messed up. I messed up the skin tone. But you have to believe in yourself in order for your own craft to able to be successful. So.
0: So, and I'm going to be the, I'm going to play the cynic here from the outside. I mean, this idea of of believing in yourself, it's something that we hear about a lot in culture these days, but what does that look like on a practical level? How did, how did you realize that for yourself?
1: I guess when people start, like when you have people that kind of bring things to you, like some of the clients I have now are clients I would never think I would ever have in my life. Or like a lot of people in Atlanta, I should a lot of brands in Atlanta, especially bloggers, um, people that are trying to do new things, that new business, small business owners. And they're like, oh, we saw your work in Birmingham and we we're wondering like, oh, you do so good with detail work. I'm like, really? I just thought it was normal. <laughs> and they were, you know, and just hearing that, feedback. I'm a person who's like a receiver sometimes, but I rather give. And it's hard for me to receive. But when I was able to receive it, and I'm a Virgo, so we all know that (laughs) that main (laughs) concept messes us up a lot. I was just very critical of myself. And then hearing the feedback and then I guess the last thing I heard from my father before he passed away was he was like, you know, you have done so well your business. I really want you now to expand beyond where you are now because wow. you're that gifted wow. and you will succeed even when I'm here or not. Oh my so, goodness.
0: Wow. That's so powerful. How long ago did he pass away?
1: My dad actually passed away four years ago. And that's actually what started my project with the emotional stuff with the photography. So yeah. it's pretty cool.
0: Well, and we're going to get into more of that in detail here in just a little bit. But what a beautiful thing to... To be left with that that encouragement, that message to ultimately, as you're saying, believe in yourself to to run with it. So, I mean, I, I'm thinking again practical here because just to be clear, by the way, I love the idea of an inspirational message like believe in yourself. Uh, don't want to minimize that, but I also know that it's easy, especially in this day and age, when we're you know seeing these these quotes on Instagram and Facebook, right. and people are saying them in, in inspirational talks or whatever it is. To just be like, oh, that's nice, and not know what it actually means, or not know how to actually translate it to day to day life. Uh, one of the things that I'm hearing, though, from you is the feedback that you were getting from people was encouraging, and, and obviously primarily from your father. And so, surrounding yourself with people that believe in you that will right. proactively encourage you is a really great practical way to implement that idea in your life. Because I get it too. Like my 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 issues of self esteem have been quite rampant over the years. And uh, of course, I can delve into the psychology of why, but ultimately a big part of what can make a difference in that realm is having a great support structure around you and uh that's, so that's really good
1: and I've been very blessed with that because i ha- i I'm one of the pillars of the art community in the Birmingham area. I like okay. I play in Day of the Dead, I play at taco fest wow I, and so i'm I'm proud of that, so me being there and being around that culture all the time they're like my main motivators like yeah they helped me a lot even when i was like not when i didn't hold a camera for a year they're like why are you not having your camera now I'm like because i feel like i suck and i are like no you don't you don't suck so I, ne- I just needed that push because if i didn't get that push i feel like i would just be strictly not doing what i love
0: well it, it's a good message for everybody out there make sure you're surrounding yourself with great great people who are going to not only encourage you but also push you along the way i think that's great too i I, I crave, I crave that for for well again psychological reasons I could I could delve into here but I crave somebody pushing me and then simultaneously encouraging me as well being like hey you know what you can do better and then oh my word that's awesome way to implement that thing or way to do this thing okay now strive for this thing, or push here, or get better here. I like the challenge, but surrounding ourselves with people that will do both of those things is really, really important. Talk yeah. to me about time. I, the, it's, a, it's a challenging thing, right? I, and I know this personally right now. I'm, of course, Photographer's Edit is is a company that I'm heavily involved in, one of the owners of. We're getting ready to launch a new brand, and it involves an app and the development of an app, and that's been pretty stressful. And, and yet, I want to make, make sure that I'm not taking away from the way that I engage with my kids or with my girlfriend and certainly her kids as well. So like what, how do you go about managing your time so that you're not just in work mode all the time, that you can make space for yourself um, and also for the important people in your life?
1: Oh, wow. That's actually something I just talked about with somebody last week about how overwhelmed I was.
0: <laughs> really? Okay. So this is, this um, is very real for you then.
1: Yeah, it's very real. Cause like, since I do shoot in Birmingham and Atlanta, I spend four days here in Birmingham or in Atlanta or three days here and there back and forth. And I have one kiddo who's going to college and then I have another kiddo who's in high school. So for me, it's still hard. Like I try to keep Sundays open for my kids, but I have a lot of people still come up send me stuff and i'm shouldn't be checking my email but I'm, i'll am i look at it but not respond if i'm out on an assignment i'm usually taking my kids with me i ask for media credentials or anything else and that's really? taken with me yeah okay. i mean like usually if it's an event i know my kids are gonna like and i know that i can interact with them and keep them cultural and active in the community yeah i usually ask for media credentials for my kids they am like hey i love I, that yeah because I'll say like, hey, I work as an OT part-time. I I haven't seen my kids. I miss my kids. If you don't mind sending me this, this is if I can spend time with my kids when I'm not shooting. Yeah. So usually when I'm doing sessions like that or my commercial corporate work, they'll give me something just to be with them, even food passes for them as well. And even if I'm out of town, I'll take them out of town and when I'm done with a session or before we either go to breakfast or we do dinner. And then when next day we'll do something together before I start even trying to edit because Right now, I'm learning that I need to start outsourcing my work now to give me more time with my kids.
0: Hey, you know, there's this really great company I could tell you about. I think it's I called know, Photographer's my, Edit.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually just went ahead and downloaded everything. And I listened to my friend Meredith because she's been on me for a while about Oh, nice. It. <laughs> okay. Yeah, You know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, I told her, like, yeah, I'm feeling that overwhelming because you told me that. I told her that I felt like I would never have it. And now I feel it. Yeah. Um. So now I'm just you know, structuring it with my time when I'm working with my kids. And I try to set a day out, usually Saturday, but usually Sundays, the days I spend with my kids. Um, And if not that, I try to make a vacation of one of my assignment and I take them with me. So,
0: well, and I like that. I think that's really, I mean, there's something interesting that I've found. Maybe it's, maybe this is a little selfish, but when my kids know what I do, they can actually have conversation with me about what I do, you know? And and of course the reality is as much as I know, I, I crave the, the ability, the opportunity to be able to connect with my kids on various levels. Levels, they have certain interests. I have certain interests, and those interests don't necessarily uh, align all the Point. time. I mean, I, I like to ride motorcycles. My my fourteen year old daughter's not naturally going to engage me in deep conversation about riding motorcycles, right? So, <laughs> so the question yep. is, how can we how can we do things that will create kind of points of common interests or conversation? And I mean, first of all, we, you know, we take time, weekends or otherwise evenings together and do various activities. We'll take trips, various trips through the year. So we have those those experiences that we can share in. But then if they actually know a little bit of what I do, I, I think that they can learn through watching us work. And, and right. then they also have a point of reference and it means conversation. And I was just mentioning this on a, on a recent episode as well, but uh, my daughter recently has just been engaging me in a wonderful and she's only 14 but wonderful level just actually showing curiosity about what i'm doing hey how did this thing go how did your meeting go how did the you know the <laughs> testing go or whatever and it means the world to me that that she would actually take the time to do that and of course, it's also a good reminder for me that, hey, I need to make sure that I understand what she is interested in, what she's engaging in, and, and engage her in conversation there as well. But all that to say, the idea of, that, that you've suggested of taking kids along with you on jobs when you can do that and still maintain some level of, I guess, professional appeal or yeah. appear, appearance, rather, I think that's a really interesting idea. And I love that, that those companies are making that happen for you, too. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. like I people know that I am a really big family person. And there's times when I would go bid for events I know they want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh say, hey guys, like I found this. I'm gonna see can I bid to work here? And then when I'm able to get it, they're like, Oh yeah, cool. I mean, they both I love, love helping with my lighting setup. They help me change my lights, they help me change out my lenses. Oh, I love that. So they my daughter particularly knows like The way I function in sessions. So she's usually like, Mom, you need that 7,200. I'm like, Well, thank you. Now you tell me once I'm using the 24 That's
0: hilarious. (laughs) How old is she?
1: (laughs) She's 18.
0: Okay, so. that's great. She's totally reading you, playing off you. That's really awesome.
1: Yeah, she looks at my facial expressions, but I need to really learn how to tone down a little bit. But, <laughs> but she knows me quite well.
0: I was going to say our kids are pretty smart. They can tend to read us like a book. I have a 14 and a 17 year old, and and uh, yeah, I think they can read me pretty well too. That's funny. Well, that that's great. That's a, that's a great um, recommendation and piece of advice. If if you can't create. I mean, and it's always important, as you were saying, even Tasha, you, you set Sundays aside usually to spend with your family. But if if there are other opportunities where you can bring them along and still connect with them, I think that's a, a great piece of advice. Talk to me about a, an impactful business or a self-help book, maybe even a podcast that you've read or listened to that's made a big impact on you.
1: Well, I'm not a person who can sit down and read a book. I'm just not going to lie about that because I'm always on the go. Yeah. So I have like a list of ones. And of course, this product as I listen to when I'm going to Atlanta oh awesome <laughs> the second one I listen to is called gifts to myself it's like a life coaching thing that really helps me a lot to to get through a lot of things gifts um, to
0: myself okay mm-hmm. who, who is that by do you know
1: um I can't remember I, okay. just, I look at it but yeah, it's gifts to my future self I mean okay <laughs> Perfect. I, um, the third one I listen to is focus. I think her her personality is funny. I love it how she interacts with her listeners and stuff. Okay. stuff. That's pretty good. And gold diggers, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mass- which <laughs> has a
0: massive audience too. Okay, very cool. But yes. well, we'll make sure to to find these and link to these in the show notes. And again, just a reminder for everybody listening in, if you're new or have been listening for a while and you're not taking advantage of the show notes, if you go to bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H, the, the resources, the links, the gear... And certainly the talking points from these episodes that we're pushing out, that information's in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. I know that some of you may be using a podcast player, too, that allows you to be able to to see the show notes within the app. Take advantage of that. Um, There are some apps, I think, that format the show notes correctly, others that don't. But either way, BocaPodcast.com, and uh, you can link to these podcasts that Tasha just mentioned as well. Uh, Talk to me about your camera bag. This is kind of a fun question. I wonder if you have something maybe a little bit random in your camera bag that enables you to be a better photographer.
1: Oh, man, this is going to be so embarrassing a little bit. Oh, Um, I can't
0: wait. This is good.
1: Okay, I keep two things. One's going to be like kind of somewhat depressing. And the other thing is like, okay, I really got to have this. I keep taffy in my camera bag. Really? Like saltwater taffy? Yeah, I'm, like my mom is. Uh, my mom lives. My mom used to live in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, a bit, and we're military brats.
0: Which is like the the capital of saltwater taffy. It seems exactly. Yeah. I must
1: have taffy. So I have peppermint taffy, pear taffy, always in my bag. Did
0: you, did you say pear taffy?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so good.
0: Oh, I don't think I've had pear taffy before. Okay, we may yeah. have to try that soon.
1: Yeah, it's at Whole Foods. They do have it at um, Fresh Market at Whole Foods, which I was shocked about. I was like, ooh, now I can just get it when I want it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great. Okay, so taffy and what's the other thing?
1: The other thing is I keep up um I keep a card that my dad gave me whenever I get down I just always keep it in my camera bag. It's laminated and everything and the message was love you keep your head up high god will bless you always love wow. you dad. So wow. I keep that in my bag as a motivator because when I see that, when I'm feeling low and I'm like at a shoot, like, okay, I can't figure out what I'm going to shoot, how I'm going to do this. I just really pull that out. so okay, I got it now. So It's like a comfort for me in my bag.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. I think it's a beautiful thing that you can take that with you where you go, too. And wow, it, you're, The relationship that you had with your dad, he sounds like a, just a, a really incredible person.
1: Oh, he was. He was awesome. I mean, I at least can say he was the, my best critic, and he also did it not so nice because he was like a – a sergeant, I'm like you know. Wow. Okay, I understand now. I will behave. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but you know, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes you hear those stories of, of personalities who are only hard and they're only yeah. hardcore, and and everything you know, the way that they communicate, it's almost always just in a very harsh manner. But it it sounds like there's a lot of love mixed in there as well.
1: Yeah, he loved. Well, he was a. Yeah, he was actually the. You know, he he was a business owner himself. So he actually pushed me the the be more a photography business instead of me always working for somebody else. Yeah, and it's hard to move away from working for somebody else right now because that's where you know that's concurring income. So <laughs> it's always happening.
0: Well, so. and, and really, that's a great kind of segue into our primary conversation today, which has to do with this idea of healing through photography. And and I, I say this because. You are, by trade, an occupational therapist. You you alluded a little bit to to the backstory earlier, but how did you even choose to go into the trade of occupational therapy?
1: It's going to be funny. Actually, my brother has lupus. And I used to see, when he was younger, he was like 11 years old, he had they reportedly, quote-unquote, had the flu. And we were like, no, that's not happening because he's not eating, he's losing weight. I think he lost like 15 pounds when he was 11. And we just noticing as he just declining every day so we went to the er he flatlined when we got there once we got there within 10 minutes you know they said we have to put him on life support he was on there for like a month and a half and even gave us my parents choices about we we might have to take him off because he's not responding to the meds and stuff Mm. so at first it was more just like oh this is a heart condition then we find out 10 years later there's lupus but he was homeschooled for a long time after being in the hospital. Um, okay. I call him the Marshmallow Man because he got big from the prednisone. So I used to crack on him and poke his face and everything.
0: Yeah, my Just, brother, my brother had really bad asthma and took prednisone forever too. Yeah, so I know what that's like.
1: Oh yeah, and I used to. He used to get so mad at me because I'm like, oh look, it's the like the the dude from the Ghostbusters, yay, powerful man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we had the OT and the physical therapist come in, and they came and they did a lot of work with him. I mean, I was amazed and. On top of that, my I have an aunt that's an occupational therapist, and also have an aunt that's a physical therapist. Okay, I went particularly for school for pre med. Got into med school, did a couple of months, and I was like, you know, this is not for me. And then my aunt, my dad got to me and they're like, you know, you're too creative to be a um, a doctor because they're going to look at you like you're weird because you're so actively open about stuff, and you're just uh, just too nice. I'm like, really? I thought you're supposed to be nice being a doctor. (laughs) So. But from that, watching what my brother had to go through and what they did with him, yeah. and it was just amazing. Um, med school was cool, but I mean, it was just not my place because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a creative and be able to do that in my craft, and but not and just to help people in that way so it's not always saying, Okay, I'm gonna write your a script or Hey, you got this diagnosis here, yeah, yeah. But um, my brother probably was the main pusher to be an OT just because I've seen that like. I would imagine how to get him sitting up with a sitting balance if he didn't have a Nintendo, which I still do have, um, my old-fashioned one. Yes. And watching him doing that, I'm like, wow, that's how you work on, you know, sitting on that ball and stuff. So let me do yeah. this with my kids. So he was the main motivator. And then my family and then watching this trait going on, I'm like, yeah, I love it. PT, I didn't like because it's just so repetitive and it's the same. Mode. It's like boot camp for lower body extremities. <laughs> so <laughs> That's like, I a funny like way
0: to put it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause that's how we say, like, OTs are like the nice ones that do fun stuff, and the PTs just boot camp. And then sometimes when I'm in clinic with my kids, they're like, Oh no, Miss Tasha, she's like really boot camp. she was, like really mean to us. I'm like, No, I'm not. She's got to do it. I just don't take it. <laughs> so, well,
0: what was the like, what was the turning point though? And, and by the way, beautiful backstory. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. But how did you then? Uh, I know we're fast-forwarding quite a bit here, but you, you began in photography. At what point did you say, you know what, like some of these, these therapeutic efforts that I'm making, the way that I'm engaging with my therapy clients, like maybe I can somehow begin to implement some of these ideas or these principles into the way that I engage with my photographic subjects?
1: With myself. And I can um, I can openly say this to people because I, I, I self-did it. <laughs> when my dad passed away, My dad actually died unexpectedly. I talked to my dad an hour before he passed away. Mm. I went into a really deep hole of grief. I thought it was my fault because I thought I could bring him back because I work in the medical field. And I just thought it was just my fault, period, because he was on his way to meet my daughter for her lacrosse game. I was supposed to pick him up. But, you know, um, he tripped on the rug and hit his head. So for OT, for me, I'm teaching fall management within the homes. And that was the main thing we talked about. I said, hey, dad, don't do this and that. But then when I started taking pictures of myself, my own grief and my own depression, I started noticing the trends with my eyes. Um, especially when I'm using my, my special light, like my ring lights or any type of special lighting thing with the hard shadows and stuff. Yeah. So I started noticing, like, wow, this is very better. Because like once I picked up my camera, I felt better and started photographing my own self. I was like, okay, I understand how I feel now. This is what I look like when I'm grieving. This is what I look like. This is how people perceive me. Because... The world right now, they put mental health as like a big stigma of like you're ugly, you're not looking good, you know, you just it's depressing. Like if you even look through Getty images, it's like it's like depressing. Like I don't want to be depressed looking like that. <laughs> so, just seeing that stigma, and how people have like when you say you have depression or you're grieving, it's just what really motivated me to turn that course to make it look beautifully and how we engage with these clients. So,
0: you know, I, I hear I hear that uh, conversation about stigma. And and I can see where it probably still exists. I mean, uh, there's this maybe internal judgment that kind of happens where you're like, oh, that person says they're depressed or they have anxiety or they, you know, they've been dealing with these issues for some period of time, and and maybe some internal judgment that's going on but do you, do you really feel like i mean it seems like the conversation around mental health has become so popular as of late do you think that there's still a really significant stigma there
1: i think it's more the stigma more for the african american community more like women of color interesting yeah okay. what i know is like with my research cuz i'm doing a research study right now a photo research study now with this okay that if you look at how people talk about mental health it's right now like oh, okay it's always this percentage percentage but when you look at the women of color percentage it's high, but nobody never focusing on them. Go there and talk to them, and it's just interesting. And they're scared. I mean, sometimes it's fear for us to know that people know because we have enough battles already to deal with. But toning into that part because it's I want to be I run in my project and what I do I want to be pacific with it. Yeah. Because I want to highlight that point because I never see anything that involves that. And the projects I've seen online by googling and other things, I'm like okay. They're not going to match up to my project because they're doing it like you're writing a piece of paper and you're like, hey, I have a mental health disorder. Okay, cool. Is there a backstory behind it? Hmm. And no, nobody never brings that up, like the backstory, what's the trigger words, how they feel, why are you here? Why, why are we here together right now?
0: So is that... Is that some shortcoming on the the part of the companies or the organizations that are doing the research work that they they tend to focus on the white communities and there's not as much conversation with the black communities? Or is there is there some stigma within the black community that that is, I don't know, maybe kind of inhibiting people from coming out and talking about it or like what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I feel like it's a combination of both. And I feel like, and I'm like, I'm a real big researcher because I have a doctrine in my field in occupational therapy. Wow. And that also one thing I noticed, like when I'm looking at these trends and I, I keep up with trends every day, okay. seeing how things goes. And when I'm seeing like, okay, I'm happy that's, you know, so-and-so going through here. But like, when you look in the African-American community, it's more like, oh my God, like, okay, this person going through that, this and that, but what's causing it. Cause like our statistics about, you know, Social class, you know, jobs and anything. It never comes into, they always make that one big number, but not the specific. And I would like to see Mm. more details about what's causing this here. How can we help this community equally, not over what community, but more equally together?
0: Yeah. That's kind of weird too, because research, I mean, it seems as though innate to research is the details. So the fact that the details aren't paid attention to is an odd thing.
1: Oh yeah, and then, and then it's more for me. It's like when I start looking at my project, like how can I help other? Pe- like how can I help? Like let me start off with this community first, and then move on to this community, and then make it together like a joint effort to yeah. see how it goes. So it's been working out well, and um, especially people like I have a semicolon on my ankle, and I'm talking to people with semicolons. So when I see that, I say, hey, can I photograph you? <laughs> Let's talk about this. Why do you have your sem- your semicolon? What? Well, but I have
0: I have to ask you the same question. What's the significance of that for you?
1: Um that, that my story never ends. Okay. It's called the semicolon project and it's about people who have depression, anxiety, grief, people who also have committed tried, attempted suicide, mm. but it's always to show it's just mental health awareness. So usually when I see people I'm like, "Oh, well, let me talk to you." Cuz it's just like a conversation piece on why we have it. So Huh,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah, and it, there's it's always it's fun when you have uh, I have tattoos on my on both of my arms, the inside of, of both of my arms. And one of the things that I thought was really cool about putting them in that particular place is they're not obvious all the time, right? but when, but when they are seeing, like if I'm sitting at and having coffee or dinner or something like that with somebody else and I'm engaging with them a little bit closer, then they'll be able to see those tattoos. And then there may be a question and there's opportunity to connect over that. And the idea of being able to connect with somebody else who has that same tattoo, and then ultimately a similar backstory where you can relate and can connect through that is right. a pretty beautiful thing. But that really brings us back to your photography the fact that you're able to engage with some of your subjects in this realm is really, really powerful. And I'd be curious, first of all, what principle behind therapeutic photography is generating the biggest results uh, when you're in, in the way that you're engaging with your clients?
1: I think it's a duty of self. Usually, when I'm shooting a client, it's, it's really stressed out knowing why we're there, first of all, for them. And then I always start off with a simple head start, just the head shot just to get them to interact with me and to make faces, have fun with me. And then we start talking about like, so I, I usually go. And so, you know, I'm happy that you're taking the head shot. Let's talk about your story. You know, what's going on with you? Do you have a word that's your trigger? Mm. What makes you feel the way you do? Mm. And so I usually do that. And it's kind of funny because my mom was sitting in a session with me one day. And I freaked her out
0: <laughs> because
1: I bet. Cause she was just like, Tasha, you're going to pull somebody, you're going to take somebody so deep that you're not gonna be able to pull them back out. I said, mom, I'm able to pull it because I know what words and what triggers, and how to g- get them back to where they are. Wow. And so what I do is I usually just generally start off with a general conversation. Then they get to their life, what's going on. And then I start photographing, boom, motion one, boom, emotion two, three. And then when I do these series of pictures, cause I, i don't let them see my camera i don't let them look at the back i feel like it's just going to be not the justice what they need to see is back of my camera and that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves too like why do you need to see the back of my camera that's why i'm here so yeah that's got true. You. and so when they see the images i do both color i do like a more like a cool darkish moody picture which is really edited well and i do a black and white because in black and white you can do a lot of you can see a lot of emotions in it, mm. and, which is perfect for me because since my style is colorful, me bringing it back to black and white for you to understand the significance of their feelings is really cool to see. Yeah. So when I showed them the series, like I start off with one headshot like probably from that night, like, oh, this is what we did. And then I bring it over and I'm like, they're like, oh, my God, this is what I look like. i never seen myself like that. Now I understand how I feel inside. Because most of us with mental health or depression or anything like that, we're internally hurting. And people don't know how, you know, how much we're hurting from the outside because we're trying to keep that face right. to be strong and happy. Right. And then when you're letting it loose and you, and you start showing and you understand like, wow, I am really hurting and I really need to talk or I really need to get that. Recently, I had a client who was also a really good friend of mine. She has depression and anxiety and I shot her. She's a beautiful girl very beautiful i love her bald head i always like make jokes about it's like yeah i can shine that and bling it up to the sky because <laughs> <laughs> it's how you know it's just how my personality is i love me. that yeah she talks about me all the time and when um, i did her pictures and then funny part i got mad at her after water on her just be funny because we were just talking and i just threw my water on and it, it came out good because wow. i'm saying like wow now i can really see your anxiety yeah. because we're you know you switched up and her anxiety is about just going outside and people seeing how she really is and like she's a great person, but she feels like she doesn't feel that way about herself inside. For for her seeing that and understanding, okay, see, so yeah, this is my emotion and thank you for understanding and thank you for photographing and capturing it. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, you're going to make me cry because her post actually did make me cry. It was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God, she's talking about me. And I didn't think I did all that. Wow. And then I had another lady with postpartum depression after having her first child. And her her um, son's hand coming from the bottom of the camera while she was depressed, she she said that really made a difference in like, how she needs to change her facial when so she's around her child because she didn't want her child to feel that aura around her like that. Mm. so it's been an interesting project and watching people emotions and i photographed myself and really i I haven't showed it yet because i look really ugly in it but i started thinking about what was the one thing in my life that changed my life and i was happy smiling in my head shots and then when i started thinking and then a song came on that was unexpected i just started bowling and i just started Mm. snapping myself Mm. so i know that internally i'm still hurting and i do outly am what i'm hurting but you know seeing how i look when nobody's not around, it's like wow, this is very. I need to. This is makes me feel better. Like it's okay for me not to be okay. So
0: wow, and but you summed it up really beautifully that at the end there. It's okay not to to be okay, which is really a good segue into my next question. But I want to I want to say first of all, when you talk about the identity of self, really what you're doing there is helping them understand how they feel right through that session, which is really powerful. But to the next question, what are the biggest benefits? And I think we've we've kind of answered it initially here. But oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. It's great. I think the biggest benefit, or what are the biggest benefits of, of your clients? Uh, or I guess, what what are the biggest benefits that your clients have seen through this therapeutic photographic practice? Uh, and, and I know you and I chatted about this just a little bit beforehand. And you had mentioned this idea of it's okay not to be okay. You highlighted that just now for when you were talking about photographing yourself. Can you expand on that a little bit? What does that mean?
1: It's just a realization because like I said, that stigma about mental health and going through things, because people always feel like there's a certain time limit to go through something like, okay, you lost somebody. You should be healed by six months to a year, Mm. or you may not, you may have a situation that pop up. You know, you may have something that's a judgment that caused you to have that seasonal depression. Like I was raised to always be strong and the people tell me I'm strong all the time, but internally for me, I hurt, but you know, I'm like, it's not okay for me to show my expressions because people are going to think I'm weak. Hmm. People are going to think that I don't know how to handle something. And when I start looking at myself in these images, it's okay for me to cry. We all need that one cry. If we just oh, take a shower and yeah. Yeah. cry, And like, I could just be sitting in my car and I, you know, me commuting back and forth from Birmingham to Atlanta. And I'm sitting here like, okay, now I'm alone. I don't have anybody to see me who will judge me. And I still start crying when I realized it was OK. And since I'm one of the planners of Day of the Dead in Birmingham and I've been with them close to 10 years before my dad passed away. I mean, I, I openly cried the first time I made her a friend that were an altar for my dad because I'm like, OK, we have I'm in a place of people understanding how I feel. Mm. And they won't judge me because this is a day of remembrance. I mean, if you look at the movie Coco, you will see the significance of the ofrendas and altars and yeah. certain things. Yeah. And that's how the festival here in Birmingham is. Wow! And um, when I realized it was okay for me to cry openly, it was fine. And even my best friend, who's the director of the art museum here in Birmingham, she lost her sister. And she said the same thing to me. And I'm actually photographing her in a couple of weeks um, with her sister that's doing a ghost um, brief session with her Uh, we were always talking about how everybody sees us in the community as being strong women but both of us are hurting and we need to show people it's okay for us to show emotion like i don't want to be like somebody who's just stuck up and just don't care i want people to know that i understand too how you feel so i want people to come approach me about things if they need help to get through things because they did people do that for me and i would love to extend that to somebody else who needs it as well
0: that 's that 's beautiful I, I mean you 're doing this job of creating space beautifully enough not only for yourself but also for others to to be more open with your emotions and you know the fact that you then have the opportunity to capture that is beautiful you know and, and there is a i mean you, t- you used the word stigma earlier there is a stigma in our culture around the idea of maybe not being strong enough or at least there has been and and now there is a shift you know it 's funny if you watch our our culture there are these shifts that happen and they tend to be these massive pendulum swift shifts where they go the opposite direction, and now now you have some people that are just—they're like—I I don't know if it's just a welcome opportunity to be able to get some kind of reassurance that they're okay as a human being or whatever it is, but yeah. they're they're out there sharing their emotions and problems and trials all the time, <laughs> and then yeah. that and then that becomes exhausting, and you can't help but wonder if, if some of that is just to try to get attention. Um, that's certainly not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is is just the simple reality, which is expressing emotion, sadness. Uh, or for that matter, having feelings of depression. This is not a, a, a weird thing, a bad thing, and I love that. And 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 while it's important to to approach life with a an effort at being proactive and finding the best in situations, and and moving, continuing to move forward, to push forward through challenges. There's nothing wrong in the process with expressing that something is challenging, or expressing sadness, or Feeling down about something. And and again, I love the fact that you have not only created space for yourself to have those feelings, but creating spaces for your subjects to be able to have those feelings, to better understand those feelings, and then also to give them a beautiful gift and and a portrait. Um, It would be great, though, if we can kind of translate this in a practical way to, or an even more practical way to our listeners. Uh, when it comes to the way that they're engaging their clients, and obviously most of our listeners, if if not all of them, are not going to be professional occupational therapists taking that training to their photographic sessions. But are there, are there some ways that they can bring this approach or, or even going into their photographic sessions with a focus on bringing some type of emotional healing to their subjects?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, there's a couple of ways. Um, the first one, I would probably say, don't be judgmental. And we know we all of us are photographers and we know how we are when we talk to someone on the phone. We know most of us stalk people on social media to see who they are before we even shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> we know we do that. It's true. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people too. Like, I know that I'm about to photograph you. I need to see what's on your social media first because <laughs> I got to be around you. <laughs> so um, don't be judgmental. I mean, like, approach, pers- approach a person. Like you met them the first time, even you have met them the first time, just don't have any kind of preconceived emotions about them. Like, oh, I saw that you were here last week. What are you type thing, you know? Yeah, so- it's it's
0: really easy to to quickly judge. I mean, I, I think we're wired as human beings to be able to do that. And and probably in many, if not most most cases, do that quite well. But I think it's more relevant to contexts where you got to make a quick decision for the sake of safety. Versus you're going to have a a photography or photographic session with somebody or begin to develop some type of working relationship with somebody in the community and you have the opportunity to get to know them. You can't go into it just assuming. Um, I actually have kind of a a somewhat humorous story myself with with this is very very close to me, which is the first time I ever went out on a date with my girlfriend who I've been in a relationship with for, for quite some time now. My initial assumption or projection on her was very, very simplistic. And it was based in past experience, engaging with other people that were very different than her. And had I continued down that road after that first date, our relationship would have never happened. Unfortunately, we kept talking and then come to find out there's this whole different colorful version of her behind the scenes that she simply wasn't just like throwing out there on the first date. That is just beautiful. I I love contrasts, and and I've seen that in her and in our relationship. But had I just gone on assumption, like you're talking about, Tasha, I would have missed out on a a beautiful, beautiful aspect of my life. Uh, So it's really important, as you say, not to go in judgmental to assume. There's no question we all have some ability, or at least most of us anyway, have some ability to be able to 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 read somebody pretty well up front. But understand that there's more underneath and give that opportunity to to come up.
1: Right. And I do have a habit of reading people up front. I'm like trying to keep it to myself sometimes. Yeah. And I have the hardest problem with my facial expressions. So I still haven't figured out how to fix it.
0: <laughs> I am so I am very much like you. Yeah. I, I, I'm so bad to let that out.
1: <laughs> and I'll be sitting there like, man, like I know this girl and I know what she's done. Now I, I can't. I got to shoot her. So, you know, let me get this done and, and, and make you detail about what I want her to do in this session compared to what she wants to do. <laughs> so
0: That's great. That's great. What's another principle?
1: Another thing is to be an active listener. And I had to say, this is one of my biggest pet peeves for people in general. If I'm telling you something's going on with me, I don't want to hear about your life. I need to listen. I need somebody to listen to me to get it out. Mm. And that's the problem with people. Like it's always about, okay, I know you're going through this, but guess what? I'm going through something worse. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. I mean, I have a couple of friends. I actually have a friend right now who's like that. And it, It's like in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, I just need to talk to somebody to get it out, not to hear and compare situations, but I just need to get it out. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, since I work as an occupational therapist, that's how I get my assessments, that's how I get my evaluation. I must be an active listener as well as engaged with the conversation and get to the leading questions, like what will help them during the session or what will help them just to, re, just to feel relaxed with me I have clients that probably are uptight for the first 30 minutes <laughs> and I'm sitting here like mm, I say How, what can I do to trigger that and that's when the social media is stalking helps sure. <laughs> so like, oh i saw you were here last week did yeah. you enjoy doing this and stuff like that or um, did yeah. you have fun with your kids here and they usually open them up and they start going out and talking about their whole i mean i may know the life story for a lot of people half in right now <laughs> just because i know how to engage and be that listener and then key those points in there to engage them in conversation and learning more about them so
0: yeah, you know, it's, it's not, there's so much conversation in the photography industry about many photographers being introverts and, and how they're apprehensive getting to know somebody for the first time and, or meeting with a client they've never met with before and going, in and it doesn't have to be, I mean, that's a loaded topic and we'd have to pick that apart piece by piece. But one of the things that I've realized, because I, I haven't, and it's still something I'm, I'm working on, I haven't always been the best small talker. Like I can, if I have a chance to, to go deep in a conversation then then I, I kind of welcome that I, I enjoyed that but I'm not great at just kind of surface level small talk which for many people is what helps them relax right. and I I'm reminded of a, a former late night talk show host called Craig Ferguson and and I'll add the caveat here that he's uh, certainly it can be off color and quite flirtatious uh, with the female guests that he has on his show but one of the things that I that I learned from him despite that uh, is his ability and and, and observed, he literally, he had these cue cards that, you know, a lot of talk show hosts will have, they'll have cue cards with questions or talking points that they'll go through for their guests. And he, he said that he he would literally take those cue cards. It was this thing, this thing that he did and he would tear them up and he just kind of toss them behind it very dramatically, like toss the cue cards, the torn up cue cards behind him. And, and then he would just ask random questions. But one of the things that he would do is he'd ask a, a very, what seemed like a very random question. The person answers that and then it was very easy for him to take some word or idea or concept or place that somebody mentioned from that sentence or from that response and then ask him a question about that thing. And then, and then you can kind of continue that, that trend. So the idea of creating conversation for the sake of helping somebody feel comfortable, again, especially I'm, I'm talking to you who, who label yourselves introverts. Uh, this is, it's not, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You don't have to go extremely deep to begin with. You just want to create an atmosphere of comfortability, ease of conversation. And you can do that very simply by just picking something, asking a question about it, actually actively listening, which is so, so huge. Tasha, I'm so glad that you bring this up. Hear what they say, take something from what they said, And ask another question and just continue that. And most people aren't used to being engaged in that way. I mean, that's part of why I'm so taken aback by my daughter asking me about works because I'm so used to being the interviewer on the podcast, you know, 300 plus episodes now. I'm used to being the one that's that's kind of overseeing a team. I'm not used to the idea of somebody asking me about me and asking me questions. And so my daughter takes the time to do that. I'm like, I'm just I'm kind of floored. Most people aren't used to actually being engaged in that way. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. You can keep it simple. Just take a topic, ask a question, hear, listen, ask another question. And um, that, that act of active listening is a really, really important principle to good conversation. I'm really glad you bring that up.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. Come both an introvert and an introvert. It's minus the time thing. Okay. <laughs> like Yeah. And it's kind of weird because like in the, like between eight to six, maybe I'm a really good introvert. But intro- and then when it comes to like, after that I'm an introvert, like it's so much I can take with conversation. <laughs> and I have to learn to work through that myself. <laughs> so it's really hard. Cause my kids really do tell people like, you know, don't talk to my mom after six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she's going to be kind of high strung. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Okay, well, so let, let's. You you started with don't be judgmental, um, right? And and then and that's that's a again a loaded topic in and of itself. But that's a great point of recommendation. Second piece of advice: be an active listener, like truly present. Set your phone aside. Don't be thinking about the next thing you're doing or, you know, some conversation you had earlier or that thing that you saw on Facebook. Be an active listener. Be present. Be engaged. Look the person in the eye. Pay attention, and then respond accordingly. And um, I know you've got a third one for me. What's that?
1: Be empathetic. That's the thing for me. It's not a pet peeve from for I hear people. I mean, like even in the photography world, and even being in the therapy world. You know, we're just sitting here like, okay, I'm sorry that happened to you. Okay, we've left it alone. Right. I mean, and usually my approach would be like, okay, I had a really bad day at work. Oh my god. I totally understand where you're going. What happened to you at work that Mm. makes you feel this way? Mm. I mean, like, I feel how they feel. And I guess it's my aura. But I want to know how you feel. I want them to know that I really do care about them. Like, you're just people are just not clients. I mean, people are to me are their people. There is visuals. They all have their personality. They're just not somebody who pays my bills. And that's how I approach each person I have a client. I mean, we. I do have a cur- certain people. I'm sitting here like, uh, you know, do I really want to be empathetic <laughs> towards you? <laughs> just because I, you know, I have seen how you interact with things sure, and stuff, sure. and I'm like, do I really want to do that? But I have to realize my personality is I'm gonna be nice to anybody, no matter how mean they are to me or mm. how they treat. I still have to be respectful, mm-hmm. and that's just how I was raised. That's that military. My parents instilled that in me. Yeah, but you just have to. Even though the person might be bad, you still have to have some kind of emotions for them and care for, them. and just have something for them. You know, a lot of people have jealousy issues. People just have this, like I have a niche against you and stuff. But we always gotta show that we're caring human beings. I mean, that's the problem with the world right now. We have all this stuff going on, and you know, people, kids are being pulled from parents and stuff. I can't imagine being with my parents like that, being pulled away from them. I have to understand not having parents. So yeah, yeah. we gotta have that sense of, you know, we're we care. We understand where you're coming from. We may not understand, but let's show, at least present that we are trying to understand why you feel that way.
0: That's, you know, empathy is something that I've struggled with. Uh, and, and I say struggle in that I've, I was not good at it. And it's still something that I'm that I'm working through right now. There were a couple of people that came into my life that, that really just kind of threw a wake up call my way at the fact that I just wasn't. I just wasn't empathetic enough, and if I'm, I'm, I was actually in the process of picking up my phone here, Tasha, to look. I've got a little dictionary on my, on my iPhone called Word Book, and <laughs> and uh, if I if I look up the word empathy, I'm just going to read this definition out loud here it the, the definition says understanding and entering into another's feelings and i like the last part of that entering into another's feelings like what does it take to literally open the door and walk into the emotion or the emotions of the person sitting there in front of you and we have to we have to set aside ego and whatever might be important to us in the moment and and again that idea of active listening like truly be present and then learn to, to feel like put yourself in a similar place, as you were pointing out, Tasha, or relate what this person is is describing to something like a similar instance in your life and think about how you felt in that instance and feel that emotion with them right then. Um, that is something that would make a, just a massive, massive difference, as you were saying as well, Tasha, in the world, if we were to, to implement this idea of empathy more consistently, uh, more actively. And this is this is huge. But if if we're able to do that, the way that we can then engage with our clients in front of the camera, the subject in front of the camera, is simply going to be different. The atmosphere that we create for them is simply going to be different. It's going to help them feel more comfortable, and that's just that's huge. I I, I think this is such a, a really really important principle and concept and i'm so glad that you share it
1: thank you i mean it, it helps me a lot with my business alone I, I can really say that like i used to be one of those people who just just really didn't care <laughs> and then i started realizing like okay you know being in practice for 14 years as an ot i realized that it's a lot of people who have worse situations than i do yeah I'm, i might be going through one thing and i'm listening to these stories from parents and The kids, the teenagers themselves, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, maybe I need to start seeing, stop looking at the world with these little rose-colored glasses that I was meant on me. And I never had those glasses. It was just the way I was built, being raised in the military. Hmm. So now it's more like, yeah, I can understand how you feel. And sometimes the problem is being empathetic is you take those feelings on yourself. Like there are times I can't go to sleep at night thinking about what somebody told me. Wow. It could be a love-hate relationship with that word. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair. Yeah, we have to find a healthy balance between or a healthy distinction between our identity and the identity of others. But I would have way more respect for somebody who, who was such as yourself, Tasha, who was going to sleep at night or trying to go to sleep at night. It couldn't because they were feeling for somebody rather than somebody who was kind of just cold and disconnected. And, and, you know, engaging with their clients and in that disconnected manner, which, again, it's going to translate to the finished product. The, the images that you're going to get much of the time, if not most of the time, just aren't going to be as meaningful, or as powerful. The emotion that can translate through to the camera, just not going to be the same. And um, so this is a great reminder, a great piece of advice for all of us. And this has been a wonderful Wonderful conversation, Tasha. Again, I, I really, I love your energy that, that you bring to conversation and the, the people that get to interact with you in person are just as lucky as can be. Thank you for bringing that to us. <laughs> Thank and you. will you just remind all of our listeners again, where they can find you? Uh, we mentioned your website earlier, but you can throw that out there again and mention your social media as well.
1: Okay. Like on Instagram, it's really weird because my kids did my Instagram and I want to keep it consistent with theirs. So I'll say it slowly. It's underscore, underscore, dot Tasha, T-O-S-H-A, dot, underscore, underscore. <laughs> uh, yeah. My kids have theirs done that way and they, they did mine. So I was like, okay, I stayed in a little trend. That's part of my quality time. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then uh, my Facebook is, you'll find, I don't know, you want my personal just be Tasha Gaines. I mean, I'm pretty funny and open. I, you see all my adventures mostly on both my pages. Okay. So, so it's just Tasha, S H J Gaines, G-A-I-N-E-S. And then you can find me under Tasha Gaines Photography.
0: Well, well, we'll link to all of these accounts and your website in the show notes. And again, for those of you listening in, bokeh, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com is where you can find those show notes. Thanks again, Tasha, for making time for the Boca community.
1: Oh, no problem. Thank you for interviewing me, though. It was awesome.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.